They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Welcome to another episode of whatever this is, a swap cast or something. What's going on? What's up, Tom Kent? How you been, bro? What's going on, dude? How have you been? It's been a while. It's been a while, right? When was the last time we did it? We did a swap cast a, a yeah, few months ago. Long, yeah, I pissed some yeah. people off. Got some butt, che- some butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah, of course it did. <laughs> Everyone's offended nowadays, including the truth or a conspiracy, uh, you know, community. Every community infights and gets argue- argues with each other about the dumbest stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not here for that. <laughs> yeah. But no. but we're gonna be talking about something really fun today. Something that I've That's talked sick. about on the. I think I talked about it on the Patreon one time and. We're gonna be talking about it now, and I'm Juan from the Juan Juan Podcast. You can follow me at the Juan Juan Podcast. TJOJP, and let me change the background for you because I have my yeah. whole background going. Where people can find you? Where can people find you, bro? Over on my uh, Strange Brew Podcast. Uh, that's obviously at Strange Brew Podcast. Uh, our Instagram got shut down, which is kind of shitty, uh, but it's now up at Strange Brew dot Podcast. But obviously, you can find us anywhere. You can find a podcast. Just look up Strange Brew Podcast. And uh, you'll see our funky ass design. Right on, right on. And today we're gonna be talking about familiars. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start it off because I, I found a lot of different things, a lot of different sources. And for those wondering if they want to learn more, just hit me up. I have one, two, three, five or six different books that I referenced and a couple academic papers because it kind of sort of got into the witch trials, which I'm not like too intrigued about. But the guy who wrote that paper that I referenced quite a bit called Guardians, Spirits, or Demonic Pets, the Concept of the Witches Familiar in Early Early Modern England from 1530 to 1712. It's by a guy named James A. Serpo. So shout out to that guy. He's from the University of Pennsylvania. And he goes hard in the paint. He goes hard in the paint when it comes to talking about the familiar concept. And he even proposes that it's kind of, it's made up, bro. He even has that idea, which we can talk about here in a little bit. Oh, for but, sure. But proposes the idea that it was a made-up concept in order to, of course. And probably my favorite, I'm not going to say favorite account, but the more, the more messed up account that I read was when they would starve the accused witch and she would start to hallucinate because she hadn't ate or drank anything. Yeah. And then they would make her admit to whatever they were accusing her of. And then they would feed her. So then she'd wake up the next day. Okay, it's like, well, you're being accused of X, Y, Z. She's like, wait, what? I said that? That's messed up, bro. Like, if you yeah, think about no. it. It's just like, oh, are you, uh, you don't have a husband? 
She's a fucking witch, all right? Are you <laughs> dancing out in the forest naked alone and you're like independent with your sexuality? You're a witch. There's like so many like things of that that it's like, oh, some old lady lives in the woods and, you know, she makes at the time what would be modern medicine. She's like concocting potions and healing people or whatever. And then they accuse her of witchcraft. And then, you know, (laughs) bada bing, bada boom. Back then. So we'll get into it. I have a lot of reading and we'll, I'll read some of it because he puts it beautifully and then uh, we can discuss it. So, what is a familiar? And I've kind of touched on the subject. So a familiar, and this is crazy, bro. I learned something new today. Spirits that live with, travel with, and assist magicians, sorcerers, and witches. A familiar's spirits attended upon a magician, sorcerer, or witch. The idea probably arose out of the, out of that of fetishes, fetishism. Jeez, fetishes, but not fetish, bro. A fetish, like. Like a fetish. So ch- check it out because this is crazy, right? So fetishism, because this is written in, this is, a, this is an encyclopedia from 1920, so it's written a little bit weird. So They rub cats on uh, their pussies or something? No, a fetish is a form of sexual desire in which gratification is strongly linked to a particular object or activity or a part of the body other than the sexual organs. But the second... Mm-hmm. Definition of fetish is an inanimate object worship worshipped for its supposed magical powers or because oh, it is considered to be weird. inhabited by a spirit. Weird, like that's some sort weird of object. Like that's that is weird because we're gonna, we're gonna uh, sl- uh, hopefully soon do a live about cursed objects and like that shit's fucking weird too. Because then people worship those things, then use them as idols and man- put them on their mantle and then like bow to it, especially if it has certain spirits attached to it and stuff like that. It's weird that that would be considered what a fetish would be, but I could see that terminology being used back then. It makes sense a little bit. Let me look up the etymology of fetish to see when it started to pick up that other. Yeah. So weird. we have the etym- yeah, you like fucking in a, in a costume and where you're a dog. That's a fetish. <laughs> <laughs> it's called being a furry, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah. material object regarded with awe as having mysterious powers or being that representative of a deity that may be worshipped through it. That's 1610. Yeah, so it comes from Portuguese. Fetico, charm, sorcery, allurement, noun as an adjective meaning artificial. The Portuguese adjective is from Latin factitious, made by art, artificial. Well, so it goes on and on. And then the sexualized version came into, I believe it was 1897. So let me check fetishism. Because you're technically worshiping in in some regard like the thing like people that have really like strong fetishes for stuff where they like they're consumed by it right that's all they think about and do and that's called mental illness so 1897 in, in a writing of henry havelock ellis so that was the first time it was in a pure psychosexual sense so, yeah, I never 1801 knew worship of fetishes from fetish and ism expanded in use by comet taking it to denote a general type of primitive religion, animism. Wow, okay. So we have, and and when I read that, I was like, fetish. I'm like, wow, why is it talking about that? So when when I started to look into it, I go, okay, so I learned something new today. So we have here, arose that out of fetishism, especially as many familiars were supposed to reside in rings, lockets, and other trinkets worn by the wizard or sorcerer. 
From Delirio, we learn that these spirits were called by the Greeks paradri, paradri, so as being ever assiduously at hand, and by the Latins beside familiares, familiares, uh, and then he's got some other names. By familia. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of sort of. Often referred to as spirits or imps, familiars could be acquired from a variety of sources. Many were represented as gifts of the devil given in return for a promise, promise of allegiance. Others, like Satan, were obtained from other witches or passed around and shared between groups of witches. Because, dude, they actually had... Similar names, and I have a chart where this dude, this James guy, he actually shows you charts of like when the cases start to arise of familiars at a certain mm-hmm. year, and then what type of names were most familiar because or most common. And it's like yeah. he's got it broken down by toad, a frog, a yeah, ferret, because all this they stuff. They were saying that like uh, that it was like a low ranking demon. Sometimes yes. that would like show up. It's like the, the guy that Satan doesn't really like, he gets the coffee for <laughs> Satan. And then he's like, yeah, you got to go up this, uh, this bitch really needs you to be your toad. <laughs> so it's like the, it reminds me of in Hercules, the little two demons that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. feed Hercules. Is that part of the the lore? Is that actually, I'm sure, I'm sure it is to some extent like, um, but I don't know. No Disney, they like to put their spin on everything. But I'm sure it has something, like it was mentioned at least one time, and then they just went with it. Yeah, probably. We have here, so Safan, so they, they're they essentially, this is talking about the, the witch trials, but they would pass on familiars from witch to witch. Now, yeah, a group too. of witches, like some kind of useful household implement, frequently they just appeared out of nowhere like stray cats offering their services and demanding to be fed. Familiars also acquired a variety of interesting names, many suggestive of pet names. Sometimes these names were bestowed by the witches themselves, but in other cases, the devil assigned a name or the familiar chose its own name. When communicating with its mistress on such matters, the familiar was occasionally said to speak in a hollow Oh. Yeah, imagine you see like they walk in this bitch's house and the frog's like speaking. She's like walking and she's talking to a toad and be like, all right, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I got some pitchforks and some fire ready to go, though. And she turns around and asks you, hey, so, Tom, what's your what what day were you born? What, what, what time were you born at? That's how you know you got to. You know, yeah. Because it's funny because whenever I was looking into this subject and you would YouTube it, right? Because I sometimes when I'm not actively looking through books, I will listen to something or a podcast oh. on it. A lot of things I came across was like these modern day Wicca, Wiccans, New Age, which is cool, right? You can do whatever you'd like, but I think it's kind of. I talked to a a a woman, a Wiccan, once, and she said that they go to Ottawa every year and they go to the forest and they dance around naked. And I was like, sounds kind of fun. (laughs) Well, my witch friend told me that he they sunbathe their assholes because he said if the sun is good on your skin then it's got to be good where the sun don't shine, right? So he says that they'll sit there and they'll literally spread so they'll their do cheeks. do that, uh, that um, yoga pose, whatever it's I, called, and they stretch their back up and just put their ass in the air? Yeah, they spread their cheeks, bro, and they just <laughs> sit there in front of the sun. <laughs> After a while, you're stuck like that. Cause can you, you, can you imagine, bro? You, you, you're like in your in your house chilling and you look over to your neighbor's back or he's just spreading his <laughs> cheeks like in the sun. Like, what are you doing, bro? I'm sure that happens in California. Some probably or or portland some shithole over there <laughs> so 
We have here, it, the idea seems to have emerged in the 13th or 14th century from the idea of fairies or kobolds, the mischievous spirit who could be paid or uh, cajoled into assisting people in various ways. And I know what a kobold is because of Dungeons and Dragons, but it's a myth, a mythical sprite having spread in Europe with various spell spelling, including goblin or hobo goblin, and later taking root and stemming from Germanic mythology. The concept survived into modern times and German folklore. And we have a fairy, fey, fey, fair folk or fairy. Yeah, the fairy is, folk shit is crazy, dude. Like them kidnapping kids and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's if your kid was born retarded if your kid was like mentally handicapped or had some sort of deformity they would think that it was a changeling and that a fairy yeah. came and took the good kid and then replaced it it's same with the even what he just says kind of like the leprechaun thing where if you steal yeah. his gold then you have something on him or he can kind of he has to do stuff for you um and you kind of have him entrapped in this like really yeah, that can happen too. It happens in like even the leprechaun horror movies, but that's actually based on like real stuff to do with the leprechauns. Because there's a there's a, his drunken co- cousin named the clergyman, and he'll like steal your wine and stuff like that, and he'll trick you and make you think that he's going to do stuff for you, and then he'll just steal more and more booze. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so a fairy is a type of mythical being or legendary creature found in folklore of multiple European cultures, including Celtic, Slavic, Germanic. English and French folklore, a form of, of spirit often described as metaphysical, supernatural, or preternatural. So if you'd be ever interested, man, the pixie stuff is fucking nuts and a lot darker than people even think it is. Like all that fake stuff is, is dark. We have here familiars. It was believed could take the form of animals or birds. And one of the, one of the, this is, this has to do with what we're going to be talking about a little bit later hybrid creatures so these familiar spirits that weren't like animals they were just spirits of some sort and one of my grotesque creatures of fantasy that's what it described it as what what they call it grotesque creature of fantasy one of my favorite which i've talked about before on the channel is edward kelly having a spiritual creature so about a year after entering into Dee's service, Kelly appeared with an alchemical book, the Voynich Manuscript, the Book of Dunstan, and, quanti- and a quantity of red powder, which Kelly claimed he and a certain John Blockley had been led to by a spiritual creature at Northwick the Hill. Powder? The red powder of projection, so to turn lead into gold. Oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah, accounts of Kelly finding the book and the powder in the ruins of Glastonbury Abbey were first published by Elias Ashmole, but are contradicted by these diaries. And then it goes on to say that, but essentially Edward Kelly was led to to a a gold or something by, Mm -hmm. and then the, the lure has changed because I read that he summoned it through the use of the Voynich Manuscript, which we know is a book that hasn't been deciphered. Yeah, and since it's it has all plant medicine stuff in it too, like weird plants and stuff, like doesn't it? Is that the right? Am I thinking of the right yeah. book? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's weird plants that maybe we we don't even recognize and stuff like that. Well, one of the interesting parts of reading that actual manuscript, the actual book, is that when people read it, bro, they start to like get dizzy because they say that yeah. either invokes something in you or the the ink that it's made out of and the pages have like some sort of poison. 
So you're literally dying oh, as yeah. you're reading it. Yeah, it's crazy. So sneaky. We have here in the overwhelming majority of trials, especially those in the south of England and the home countries, the familiar was represented as a relatively autonomous being whose function was to serve as the witch's magical agent or emissary in the performance of acts of maleficum, maleficium, I guess that's how you say it, maleficum, that is harming other people, their livestock or property by supernatural means. In return for these services, witches provided their family familiars with shelter, often in boxes or pots lined with wool and food, occasionally milk, oats, bread, cheese, cake, or other scraps, but more usually blood sucked from reddish spots or swelling on the witch's own body. In many cases, teams of women were delegated the task of stripping and searching the accused for telltale marks during the, the peak. Mark. Yeah, the, during the peak. She would use her finger. She would use her finger to like have the blood suck or a bump on her body such as a mole or wart. So the thing would like have... on her fucking wart. Yeah, I have more on that later. I'm, I'm just going through different definitions yeah. of a familiar. During the peak of the English witch persecutions in the mid-17th century, the quest for this kind of circumstantial evidence of the existence of familiars became an almost mandatory part of the ju- judicial judicial process. Wow, I cannot speak today. So those are different definitions I found throughout the interwebs, including a few books. And then I'm going to pull up a picture here of this. this Juan, witch. have you seen The Witch? The have movie, I the seen? Witch. Yeah. No. The 2016 one? Bro, you would like it. Uh, it's fucking creepy. It shows very much the mythos and stuff like that of like the time error and how you essentially they would just accuse women of being witches. A family gets secluded um, and kind of kicked out of their community. You have to live in the woods and then the, this baby goes missing and then it goes wild. I watched that shit on mushrooms outside and it tripped me out. And I was like, should I have messed with the Ouija board when I was young? And I like was thinking about how far back like the dark arts and black magic actually goes. And it was a trippy thing to watch on mushrooms. I actually think you would like it, especially if this episode, Go check it out. It's a good movie. Robert Eagers does a good job. You said Witch 2016? The Witch, yeah. It's fucking... It's a phenomenal movie. Like, I think it's actually really well done. And it, the the ambience of it, we need a whole episode on it just because of the fact that it's so creepy and eerie. Mm-hmm. You like it. So this is a witch box. keeping her familiars in a box and feeding them. Nothing to see here. Just some One's frogs like a oh, and frog. some weird-looking thing there. So... Moving along, because I've talked about talismans and amulets a little bit on the show before. Hmm. One of the interesting parts I wanted to do, I put here amulet versus talisman, because I do believe that the familiar, it can inhabit certain things, including the body. of It's a spirit, so it can either inhabit an inanimate object, how we talked about fetishism, or it can inhabit an animal or come through as a form of an animal in order to go to places where humans can't go, right? The black cat was attributed to the witch and the black dog was attributed to the, to the wizard or the sorcerer (laughs) or the the warlock, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) And I'm wondering, bro, let me see here real quick. Let me, let me. Well, if you think about even like stupid as it is, Harry Potter and how like serious black changes into a dog, like that's part of it too, like a black dog. And it's like they obviously drip feed this in certain movies that have to do with witchcraft or witchery stuff. And that's like a, that's a good example. 
So here we have <laughs> interesting because Donald Trump is at in the news at the moment and every wizard has their black dog. Well, I Googled Donald Trump and dogs and apparently Donald Trump hates dogs, but he's got a picture with none other than a black dog and it's a shaggy black dog, which plays a role into what we're going to be talking about. So he says he hates dogs. It says he hates dogs. Here's so let me, let, I'm not, I don't want to get lost in the sauce with this, but oh, no, no. we'll, we'll, we'll pull it up here in a little bit. When we start talking about dogs, they have a lot on dogs, okay. like a lot. Okay. So amulets, the charm amulet or mascot, is, of course, directly derived from the conception of fetish. So, again, we have this inanimate object that is inhabited by a spirit. You have the jinn and the genie in a bottle. Yes. Which was believed by savage and semi-barbarous people to contain a spirit. Amulets may be said to be of two classes, those which are worn as, one, fetishes, that is, the dwelling place of a spiritual entities who are active on the behalf of the wearer or two mascots to ward off bad luck or such influences as the evil eye. And we have universally speaking stones, teeth, claws, shells, coral, and symbolic emblems are favored amulets. The reason for the wearing of these is exceedingly difficult to arrive at, but a kind of doctrine of correspondences may be at the root of the belief. The idea that the like that like produces like, or that an effect resembles its cause. And this is talking about sympathetic magic. So in a sympathetic magical way, if you have this amulet of a deity or spirit, you are able to interact with it in some sort of way. Now, a talisman for the demon, right? You're like, well, if it makes, so you have Solomon with his ring and how he was able to control the jinn over, you know, with a sigil and you have Solomon's, keys you have mm-hmm. john d actually had a ring a pe- with the called the pele so an early in the scrying experience experiments with kelly he was instructed by michael to make a ring bearing the name pele which is the name of god meaning a worker of miracles or causing wonders or and so. although d is told that without this thou shalt do nothing there is no evidence that the ring was ever made and there is the most curious statement by michael that he tells him like, yo, I was there when I gave, when I gave Solomon the ring, like I you know, I was, I was the yeah. one that's a whole other episode. But again, just this connection mm-hmm. and we have a talisman, which is an inanimate object, which is supposed to possess a supernatural capacity of conferring benefits or powers in contradistinction to the amulet. The so it's not, it doesn't have a spirit in it. It just has some sort of magical powers. Bada bing, bada boom. Because okay. The the difference between an amulet and a, and a talisman is talisman uses more of like astrological power, so the power okay. of Mercury. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So when you make it, you're invoking the power of Mercury and water and the moon, et cetera, et cetera. So more astral magic type of thing, astrological magic type. Yeah. So the purpose of which is to ward off evil was usually a, a disc of metal or stone engraved with astrological or magical figures. So we have the idea of sigil magic there where yeah. the sigil holds some sort of power. And yeah, do you have anything to add on that before I move on to the origins of the familiar? No, it's just like, you see that in a lot of like movies and stuff like that drip fed stuff about like certain talismans. We did a whole episode about the gin and that shit's like crazy. Cause obviously it's related to these, these things of these, 
these beings being trapped in some sort of inanimate object, and then you can use them and invoke them to do like the simplest shit or very horrific stuff. Well, it's like how you were saying with the leprechaun, if you have a piece of it, they say if you learn a demon's name, you're able to have control over it. Well, I wouldn't trust that. <laughs> what? It's just goal? like, yeah, me and Billy went and we did the Ouija board for that, uh, for a documentary out in, um, in the graveyard and it told us to die. And then Billy's like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it took a while and, and it was cold and usually you have to let it kind of warm up. You have to like, let your energy circulate through your body supposedly. Right. If it holds any validity at all. Well, like the leprechaun, essentially like the, oh, if yes. you hold an object or the demon's name and I wouldn't want to like respond to it too much. Right. Like messing around the Ouija board, is enough for me. Like, I would actually be curious about scrying. And I've told now that we've filmed in a graveyard, I always said that like, just because you use a Ouija board in a graveyard does not necessarily mean that there are spirits there, but we're looking at actually haunted locations to film stuff because Billy is like skeptical, but also I can tell that he's kind of scared of it. Cause I was like, you getting freaked out. And he's like, no, I'm I not getting responses anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> he felt it. He's like, are you fucking touching it? He's like, no. And I'm, He's like, I, I did feel it, feel like it was pulling my hands. And I'm like, yeah, no, it? yeah, I'm not messing with any of that, bro. You, you have fun with that. And yeah, hopefully I don't get possessed. I feel like I was cursed for a while. So hopefully that doesn't come back. <laughs> but the more mushrooms I do, the less I worry. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> the origin of this particularly English belief in familiars is obscure. In his 1933 study, Witchcraft and Demon, de, see, it's not demonism, it's demenians, demenianism. What does Weird. that mean? Demenianism. It's not even, it's Weird. not demonism, demenianism. Yeah. C.L. Estrange Ewan uh, conjectured that the idea originated in the pet keeping habits of socially isolated women. So what you were saying, like this, oh, this poor old lady that just wants to have some company and she had, oh, <laughs> but you know, but you know why? Because during this time it was a burden to have like another mouth to feed. No. Like, yeah. To have a pet. Burdens, as much as they, they are today. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, but no, that, and, and that's right. You're like, this old lady is like living in the woods or maybe her husband had died from cholera, like fucking 20 years beforehand. And she just wants to be left alone and make her like porridge or whatever the hell they ate back then. And she like keeps a little kitty call them whiskers or fucking tabby. And the, or the crazy cat lady is a real phenomenon. So I think this is also where we get that from. But T Gandhi toxoplasmosis is a real thing that does affect your brain. And you get that from cats. So that's the Egyptians, man. Yeah, so we have scorned and shunned by their neighbors. The unhappy women were more inclined to make friends with animals as cat or dog or more unusual pet as chicken, ferret, rat, or toad. No doubt they were often heard talking to their favorites and on the principle that birds of a feather flock together, the animals soon came to be looked upon as devils or familiars by the ignorant demophobes, demonophobes, demonophobes. It's All weird. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking weird. 
So, but it's like, they have like, they probably were like throwing water on these women or fucking buckets. You know how they used to like just piss in a bucket and they chuck it out the window? They'd be probably throwing that at the old ladies and been like, like, get out of here and like shunning them because like you don't have a husband anymore. You're worthless to society. Uh, and then that's why they would recluse to the woods in some cases. And mm. I don't know how they made houses out there. It's like some burly ass fucking woman. She's got jacked arms, just fucking yeah. knocking down trees. <laughs> you want her to put her, you in, put you in a headlock, bro? <laughs> yeah but there were hey, that, imagine how they, they smell back then bro Ugh. yeah well they would stink and like the whole rapunzel stuff not rapunzel um hansel and gretel how like they find this old woman out in the woods and mm. if you watch the witch it's creepy that one character goes out into the woods and there's this like woman that's living out there it's it's uh, you have to watch it after this episode because i think it will creep you out it's Don't very tell me well- what to do though bro yeah i know no no one telling you what to do can't enforce things on other people so, in Religion and the Decline of Magic, Keith Thomas also acknowledged that many of these apparent familiars were probably companion animals, perhaps even the only friends these lonely old women possessed. Later, he wanted to suggest that the identification of unconventional pets as witches, witches familiars, was an example of the early modern propensity to regard pet keeping itself as morally suspect because like bestiality it tended to blur the boundaries between animal and human so you can't how many people you, are fucking the fucking cats man you would kill that shit listen what? <laughs> <laughs> listen dude that part again there's dark parts of the occult and i think that that's part of a bestiality i mean if you look if you hear stories of crowley and all them doing that type of that type of stuff i mean it's part of it so i could see where that would because part of the magical practice too is breaking taboos the more transgression so the more heinous and dark you are they believe that it's okay because you're gonna achieve some sort of level of divinity by doing it so Rosemary's baby made by that creepy ass pedophile that boring movie but the i have not so in the end, like it's not going to spoil for anyone's movies like how how many years old. Yeah, we're really um, old. In the end, they have this like she kind of like doesn't really know what's going on the entire like movie. They move in this house and they, all these neighbors are fucking weird and suspect. And and I believe Roman Polanski knew about stuff that you know that's based on true events, one hundred percent. Yeah, the dark occultist stuff. And then they kind of like more or less, I would say, drug her. But they kind of – and she doesn't really know what's going on. She's having memories of like an orgy. And then she essentially like sees like a goat, like demonic creature mm-hmm. fucking her and stuff one. like that. And then she has the obviously the devil's baby or at least that's what they point at. But it's yeah. the same thing. And they do it – that's at least that scene is done very well where it's creepy. All these weirdos stand around her naked and shit like that. And I believe that stuff probably does happen. Well, it's ironic that he got arrested for doing what kind of sort of what happened in that movie in real life later yeah, on. I mean, weird ass yeah. shit. So he's he's a yeah. Fuck that guy. That guy's a piece of shit. I know but, an idiot wherever he's at. Yeah, well, he can he can rot and yeah. Is he alive still? Yeah, he's he moved out of the states. There's a warrant out for his like he he is on like a list essentially, but he can't come back in the country. Yeah, but he can him. have his fun in Italy, where there is no rating on horror movies. They could literally put a knife going in a vagina, and it's all good up there or mm. over there. <laughs> so, although superficially plausible, these ideas linking beliefs, belief, and familiars with the phenomenon of pet keeping raise a number of problematic, problem, problematical questions. Among them, the, fa- the fact that familiars are largely absent from all but a few of the voluminous continental narratives on the subject of witchcraft. By 1566, the day of the first well-documented trial in England, 
Periodic outbreaks of the witch persecution had already been in progress for well over a century on the continent of Europe, yet it is difficult to find a single unequivocal reference to familiars of the English type in all of the continental literature pertaining to witchcraft. And again, he gets into the whole thing of the witch trials, which again, I haven't really done a lot of, I, I think I talked about it with you one time where it was like yeah. the ergot poisoning and, and all that stuff. So it goes pretty deep, but mostly it was just people's like overzealous superstition. Yes. Like we did the Malifus, uh, Malleus Maleficarum, which is like the witch's hammer. And essentially there, it was like a guideline to how you could find a witch. And it was just this fat, like drunken alcoholic dude <laughs> that, that probably like, you know, had women shun him and yeah. add him away. And then a he's virgin. like, what? <laughs> fucking burn you out of state. I'm convinced everyone you're else gonna, to do it. You're gonna reject me? Oh, you're a fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a witch. You're a witch, bitch. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you're gonna reject me? Me? Okay. Yeah, a lot of angry like beta males that in, in oh, history that had power, and they're like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna exercise this power, baby. So here we are. I, I, okay, I, I work with a kid that's 19, right? And like we make jokes and, he, you know, he's like wants to find a girlfriend, whatever like that. And it's just like I said something about how like I've always had like girls like flock to me or whatever like that since I was young. And he's like, oh, I hate don't guys. Lie, like, bro. And uh, no, I can prove it. Uh, and he's like, he's like, don't, don't. Uh, he's like, I hate guys like you. And I'm like, how can you hate the player, man? Hate the game. Like, it wasn't my fault. I was just charismatic. And I was like, be confident, but not douchey. And I was like, and they'll come to you. You don't, they don't want no douchebag confidence. Like Andrew Tate kind of shit where it's just yeah. like. <laughs> That's kind of like on the border of misogynist where. Like a, <laughs> yeah, border. <laughs> where you think that abusing women is okay, which is yeah. not right. So. It's fucking crazy. So we have here familiars pertain. This is not to say, however, that animals played an insignificant part in the continental, continental depictions of witchcraft. The devil was widely reputed to appear to his disciples in the shape of an animal, usually a monstrous dog, cat, goat, or ram. And witches on the continent made a habit of riding or flying to their Sabbaths on the back of demons disguised as animals, as well as on pitchforks, and broomsticks and we have is that fucking crazy dude they would like ride goats like to the sabbath like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds lit bro and the thing is there's a there's a witch uh, back in folklore called the baba yaga and she used to ride uh, you know like a mortal and a, and a pestle like the stuff that you break up medicine in yeah yeah you know, yeah Mm-hmm. story's crazy she, she would we did a whole episode it's nuts because like she would like use that she would drive like a giant mortar like the handle part it was fucking weird and she also had a house that had chicken legs and the house could walk and move from place to place whoa that's trippy it's, it, it's fucking weird dude the, there's some trippy. folklore i'm like where do you get, guys get this shit from we have continental witches were also accredited with shape-shifting the ability to transform both themselves and others into animals when occasion demanded Two of these manifestations, the devil appearing in animal form and the various instances of shape-shifting by witches, also made occasional appearances in English trials. Have you so, seen the, the witches, the movie, where they turn the kids into like, like uh, mice or rats or whatever? You I know, like, like Disney type of thing where they would... Yeah. Yeah, the original that. is creepy because like it's all these like women at this like um, this meeting or whatever. They come every year and then this kid is staying in the hotel and he walks in them as they're like doing their transformation. When I was a kid, it's kind of shimmy because if you look up, look up the witches and their witch, like what they look like. It's frightening looking for like the original. 
like creepy long noses, like no hair. If you can bring it up on screen, do it because it's fucking. The, the which is the, the original you said? Yeah. What year? Um, it's nineteen ninety. The the witches. Yes. If you bring up the image of like them oh. as the transformation, it's fucking like. Creepy. Oh, that's creepy, bro. Isn't it? See, look at this shit. Like fucking. That's how I always picture witches, and they made them like sexy. Like that shit is frightening. Like look at that. Like holy shit. Wow. Okay. And she turns the boy into a rat. It's the same. Like this. this that movie is actually fairly good at showing how they would use familiars. Actually. So <laughs> we have, although it has its own distinctive elements, the description of the witch's familiar at St. St. Osith is reasonable, reason, reasonably typical of accounts found throughout the English witch trial literature of the late 16th and 17th centuries. Although familiars rarely appeared as odd looking people, the vast majority of those were described manifested themselves as commonplace animals, usually creatures no bigger than a dog and often much smaller in the case of insects such as flies, bees, or moths. Occasionally, on, the same familiar could appear in a variety of guise. Elizabeth Francis' familiar, Sathan, a, a key figure in the famous 1566 trial, appeared first in the likeness of a white spotted cat, but later transformed himself into a toad and later still into a dog with horns on his head. Okay, if I saw that, I'd be like, that's like a little bit weird, lady. And Why have horns? <laughs> and bro, I'm, I'm not gonna say this on air, but I found this <laughs> this article that talks about. I mean, I'm gonna pull it up here. So it says a witch and her, and that's oh, not the word, but that's oh, weird. That that's word, <laughs> niggets, means insects or little bugs or something. So how weird? Yeah, and this talks about like the witches. Oh, that's doing, cool. I yeah. feel like I've seen this. What book is this? Because I've seen this before. No, so this is from this is from Superstition in Essex. It's a folklore. Okay. I don't know what year. What nineteen sixteen? Oh, weird. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so the books back then, like uh, them diving into some of the occult stuff and like the folklore shit, is like fascinating. Just because it was the way it was written at the time, especially like older books, like early nineteen hundreds and stuff like that. Mr. V, oh, what are niggets? <laughs> Miss C, why those creepy crawly things that witches keep all over them? She was sitting down with her niggets all around her, feeding them with little bits of grass on top. T- <laughs> <laughs> wow. What the fuck? So Mr. V, summer, some surmises that a nigget is a kind of familiar spirit and see such things going on 40 miles from London. So that's the times from September 1915. Wow crazy well like yeah. I, I feel like you could see like a witch with like a little like a fucking grasshopper on her shoulder or some shit and you're like okay like because the, the the insect thing is something i didn't know was actually used as a familiar because like i don't know it would like if you had a, okay if you used a fly to be a fly in the wall you know that expression because like if yeah. you were a witch and you could use a fly to like go in and say because they always accuse people during like the time of kings where we still have a monarchy which is weird but um and they would accuse witches of trying to like overthrow the king or kill the king or whatever right so if you were able and this did exist to have like some fly and know about the king's darkest secrets you might be able to use it against him like you know he's got little Ooh. boys in the chamber or some shit yeah yeah so like <laughs> let me read this and show this this i got five screens so please bear with me here we go <laughs> there we go that's the right screen here we go so the possibility what? crazy 
made up concept of the elites. I put the possibility that the familiar was purely a product of English judiciaries, judiciaries. And excuse me, some people make fun of my pronunciations, but English is not my first language. So how does English it feel? My first language, and um, we pronounce it wrong all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fine. So the possibility of the familiar was purely a product of English judiciaries. I don't know if anyone can say that. <laughs> to create a homegrown legal definition of witchcraft also seems unlikely. Although a series of acts against witchcraft, conjuration, and sorcery were passed during the reigns of Henry VIII and Elizabeth yeah. I, none of the relevant legal statutes mentions anything resembling a familiar until 1604 act of James the first. That's right, baby. King James, the Weird. one that you know and yeah. love, which yeah. I, I've read the Bible. Yeah. The, that's the guy. Yeah. The, the <laughs> pretty much he didn't want, they, they wouldn't annul his marriage. So he went off and broke away from the crown and was like, okay, I'm going to make my own country. I'm gonna have my own things in here. So the 1604 act of James, the first, when it became a felony punishable by death to consult covenant with entertain, employ, feed, or reward any evil and wicked spirit to or for any intent or purpose. And he wrote, I've talked about demonology, which is a a series of books that he wrote on witchcraft, vampires, werewolves, et cetera, et cetera, you name it. Because he was like a crybaby when it came to witchcraft and the occult. And that's why he hated John D. So, (laughs) so here familiars, however, appeared regularly in trial evidence and confessions from 1566 onward. So the concept was clearly well-established in popular imagination long before it acquired formal legal recognition. And we have here this, this graph of when you start to see the emergence of 16, the 17th century here, 1640s. Yeah, it's crazy because after like um, the medieval ages, essentially it just like ramped up like just after medieval times. Well, so if you, if you think about like religion and the spread of different ideologies, Catholicism, they were all, you know, prevalent. So we have, and this is distribution by decade of 322. And it's funny because yesterday it was 322 witchcraft oh, cases yeah. involving evidence of familiars or other animal manifestations. The peak during the 1640s is mainly due to the activities of witch finders, Matthew Hopkins and John Stern. So fuck those two guys. Cause they probably killed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy. Cause like, I will like, I, I will always go back to witches. Like we're going to eventually do it. And like, it'll, I will talk about, like I was thinking about there's um, a certain one eventually down the road uh, in this episode, I want to get in some of like the ghost and male spirits as familiars. It brings up, this uh witch trial that i didn't really know about that was like a really prevalent one uh the pendle witch trials but like i was like it is it it fascinates me of essentially what really drove these people to commit these acts and it's like a lot of it is just like sexism in some regard but like it is fucking fast. Like why at this certain time in this peak that they had to go out and blame women. And what we're like, you were reading all this. I was thinking, okay, instead of burning them in a weird way, I am surprised because of how many people would die from disease and, and there would be stillbirths and all this stuff. I am very surprised that they didn't use these women. They did believe they were possessed by the devil or whatever. Right. But if they didn't or whatever, or they, or they could use them somehow, I'm surprised they didn't use them as some sort of like, 
uh, I don't even know the word for this, but use them to impregnate and like birth kids. But then they probably think the the devil will be birthed by them. But I feel like if you kill all these women that have the potential to have kids after you have a wife that dies in birth or whatever, because it happens so often, that you're like you're cutting down the the population of women. Look what happens in China and shit like that. Like there's so many men and too many women where most of them just have – all the men have to buy sex dolls, like real-life sex doll shit because they can never get a woman. And then they send it back to the store and it's all stabbed up and stuff for some fucking strange so reason. So I don't – I don't – I mean I don't yeah. agree with you on that because I don't think that was a thing back then during yeah. this time. Maybe maybe after the plague, right? Like what yeah, was the plague? Well, I'm saying like why – like, and I, I don't think they were doing this. But I'm saying – I'm asking like why because you're – if you burn and kill and – Why drag- burn a perfectly good woman? Yeah. Why <laughs> would you? No. Like, especially because people would die during childbirth. Like it would just be so often. So often that people would die. Like just every day – not what happens all the time today. But like just like – just the simplest little things you would die from. You get a little cut in your hand and then the guy shows up dead the next day. So- <laughs> So the the Black Death was a bubonic plague pandemic occurring in Western Eurasia and North Africa from 1346 to 1353. So it killed 75 to 200 million people peaking in Europe from 47 to 51 in the 14th century. There's a theory that all the aliens created every uh, disease (laughs) (laughs) that they they use it for their own uh, nefarious purposes. That's crazy, bro. So, yeah, I don't think that that was like a an idea. I don't know why I had that thought that I'm like, you're getting rid of too many women. What if you need (laughs) to have kids and keep the population? Got to save the woman. That's good, bro. That's good. So (laughs) we have here the frequency which with which different animals are represented in trial evidence for the period of 1530 to 1705 categories represented fewer than six times in total are omitted. And it's pretty much how many times either the bees, wasps, hornets were talked about, wild birds, domesticated fowl, cat, cow, dog, ferret, fly, mole, mouse, rabbit, rat, snail, toad, and non-descriptive. And that was, that, that went up for whatever reason. So, we have here also I'm going to bring up the different names that they would be attributed to these familiars too because that was also a thing bro the names given to familiars in English witch trials and again this goes back to this Hopkins and Stern guy and then other trials Tomboy Tomboy bro look at you (laughs) Tommy boy what fucking weird Tangman and Jacob Holt Newest Tissy, Mouse, Bessie, Beast, Germany, and that's cats. These are all cat names. Sathan, which, I mean, it's like Satan, right? Uh, Jenny, Titty. (laughs) Titty, right? That's that's Titty, right? Titty? Where? Where are you looking at? So right here, Titty. Titty. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Jack times two. I don't know. Jack, Jack, I guess. Robin, Will, Tib, Cat, Pussy. Gib, Giles. Puppet, Giles, Giles Dick, Giles. Jude, Bess, Ingus, Philly, Dick. Russell. So then we have dogs. I'm going to call my cat Dick. Like, Give me your fucking dick. A lot of Satan, bro. So dogs also named Satan or Suckin. Oh, a lot too many Tom's. Suckin? <laughs> I name Suck- it Suckin Dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why would? That's a weird thing to name your fucking dog. Suckin, come over here. I need a good Suckin. Vinegar Tom. James. <laughs> 
Ella Manzer, pretty Lily. That's not cool, bro. We have Richard and John. So Dick and John. You can got Satan again. Toads. Satan. Yeah. Satan. Great Browning and Little Browning. Bonnie. Bajin. Tom again. Tom. Tom. How long my name is for? Tom, bro. He's Tom's. They're all familiars. Sweet question mark. It's sweat, but. So we Phil have Collins. I'm just joking to rat poultry. We have moles, hissy, his Tom. So miscellaneous. Tom is everywhere. Jeffrey, Peter, Sakar. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different names that they were given to these things, but you got to understand that bro. A lot of these things were being said. That's fucking funny. Were being said under torture. And these poor ladies were probably. <laughs> like I would like it's uh, me. I want to go through torture methods. Like that's a plan. Eventually, that's to raise your podcast is like to go through like the like we done like the the uh, worst ways to die, which was hilarious. But like I want to get into like some of the torture method shit because some of them are fucking crazy. They put your like balls in a fucking vice grip and like squeeze them slowly <laughs> and shit. <laughs> little dick, little dick, <laughs> screaming that shit. Oh like, man, oh. Yeah, they were just like putting whatever. Richard, no, no, no. what else? What John? Like, okay, like we got because like, they did this. They used to like drown witches and then be like, if she comes out of the water and she flies away, she's a fucking witch. But if she doesn't come up, she's 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 innocent. And it's like they never. They're just like, all right, they're waiting. Like it's like five minutes later. Like she's not a witch. We I fucked up. Again. I don't think she's coming back up. Yeah. yeah. What did she what did she say she named her from a little dick? Yeah, I don't know about that. She was a liar. <laughs> so those are some names. And then I have here vampire pets, right? Perhaps the weirdest characteristic of familiars and the strongest indication that they were other than mere pets was their habit of drinking or sucking their owner's blood. Not what you thought. So in the introduction of his 1933 survey, Ewan seems content to give credence to the notion that early modern witches actually allowed their pets to drink their blood. There is nothing, and this is quote, there is nothing incredible in the fact that human beings trained or permitted animals to suck or lick their blood. Much more horrible forms of bestiality are known to the psychopathist and the criminal jur- jurisprudent. So when I cut my wrist, I let my dog lick it. That's bestiality. According to this guy in 1933, so such a literal interpretation of the evidence, however, seems unjustified. So these guys were pretty hardcore when it came to their beliefs, because, I mean, you got to understand they were very religious at this time. So an examination of the trial evidence and the chronological sequence suggests that the whole idea of blood sucking familiar evolved from the older and simpler concept of rewarding or sealing a pact with a helpful spirit with a drop of one's own blood. As early as 1510, a teacher called John Stewart, who was accused of conjuring spirits for the purpose of detecting buried treasure, denied giving his blood to spirits in the form of bumblebees. <laughs> you imagine you're sitting in a field somewhere and like there's a bumblebee right next to you, and you go, oh, he's a sorcerer. It's like, bro, get away from me. Like, it's just like. <laughs> yeah. You see this guy in the field and he's got bees all over him, stinging him, and he's like, they're all my children now. <laughs> so he's like, like swatting at a bee and they're like, oh, look at him. He's controlling that bee. He's demonic. <laughs> Yeah. So John Walsh, the cunning man of Netherbury and Dorset, admitted in 1566 to employing a familiar that appeared to him in the form of either a dog or a pigeon and which helped him to locate lost or stolen objects. 
Upon cool. receiving this familiar, he gave it one drop of his blood, which blood. Can, I, can I say something quickly about the blood sucking shit? Yeah. So they they would do it either from their finger or like a bumper ro- uh, wart, which is disgusting, right? Um, but that witch hunter, uh, the Matthew Hopkins dude, believed that witches carried a third nipple yeah. or something sort of to prove <laughs> she was a witch. I just want to bring this kid up because it's fucking funny. I, I went to school with this kid called Matthew Nichols. He had a third nipple. He was a fucking warlock, but we used to call him Matthew Nipples. He probably hated his life for a long time. It, it, like he's the one that told us. And then it went this ongoing joke. And I was like, and I bet you he was a warlock and he would bring a rat to school and suck on his third nipple. Really? Well, that part's not real, but uh, I say, that's, that's, well, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. So here, here, eat you little bastard. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah he puts it under his shirt. <laughs> okay, what's so. this guy doing? This guy, John Walsh, right? He was being led to stolen objects and and lost or stolen objects. So he would give blood, allegedly, according to these guys. And then at her trial, the same day, Elizabeth Francis testified to her awarding Sathan with a drop of blood every time he did anything for her, which, and this is a quote, which she gave him by pricking herself sometimes in one place and then in another. And where she pricked herself, there remained a spot, which was still to be seen. Unquote. At another well-published trial of four witches at Windsor in 1579, one accused of feeding a toad familiar with blood, which she caused it to issue from her own flank. <laughs> another was said to have a black cat familiar called Jill, and she daily fedeth it with milk mingled with her own blood. The third fed a kitten familiar called Jenny with the crumbs of bread and her own blood. So point being that they're doing stuff with their... Blood, hey, allegedly. On your fucking ward on your face or some shit like that? Jesus oh, Christ. Maybe that feels good. Yeah, go ahead and do it. So the first recorded mention of blood sucking is from Ur- Ursula Kemp's 1582. Ursula. 1582. True. 1582. <laughs> trial when she confesses to allowing her toad familiar, Pajin, to suck blood from one place on her thigh. So, hmm. and then... There, this is how you talked about how they were they would search for like this, yeah. and they called it a supernumerary nipple <laughs> or any <laughs> accessory protuberance on the body that could be considered as a site of the site of the familiar's recent just just get naked, get naked, get naked, whatever. I can't, I'm not gonna say that show word. Show me your titties, show me your titties, and they's like groping her t- these tits. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about these tits. Do I feel a third? Let me get every, like, you know, these are just fucking perverts, man. Show me those. Yeah, perverts. no, hundred Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was also probably like another thing. Like these guys they in power. You know yeah. what? I wanted no gross thought I had. I was like, do you think no, they I probably don't want to hear it. No. Blood? It's like what? the time of the month. They, it was kind of secret, right? Cause the time of the month, they would like just feed the, the thing period blood, shove up their vagina, you know? And then fucking the toad would get magical powers and become their familiar. So toads, <laughs> Is a whole other. Oh man, hold on. So they also checked for hemorrhoids. Okay, all right. So toads. Let me your asshole. <laughs> toads. <laughs> Speaking of sunning your asshole at the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like that's a witch. So toads. One of the things I found weird because some other animals were more what they call. Let me see if I can find it here. They were. Anyways, they were treated with indulgence and fondness because they were little cute toads, right? So they would they would hold it near and dear. But toads 
were for some reason held at a higher regard. Now, there is the suggestion that it was bufo toads that would that they were more prevalent in this area and that they would be, you know, the familiars. But if you know anything about bufo toads is the one that you can get five MEO DMT, the five MEO kind. Uh, that's the toad you can lick, eh? And it'll get you all fucked up? Yes. Well, that's the thing. It's a toxin, but in shamanic religions, what they do is they take the, the toad and they rub it on a piece of glass yeah, and, really. and they're supposed to secrete this toxin and they let it dry they scrape it off the glass and then they snuff it or they smoke it or something. How many times they had to do that before they figured out that's the way you're going to get high before well, like, there's a row of dead guys are just licking the toad? No, right here. And knew how to obtain by striking toads with sticks until they puffed themselves up and extruded, extruded venom. So don't go around beating toads. toads with sticks. That's bad. Don't do animal abuse. Okay. But that's what one of the ways. What if you get me high though? <laughs> well, that's a whole other thing. But yes, like the the toad, the bufo toad, which that's is here crazy. in Florida as well, is part of that. So you won't die from doing the, the, the snorting it, right? Or licking like licking it, you might die though, right? I, you know, I don't know. There's a difference between venom and poison. So you know, hmm. I think you can ingest it, and you'll be all I'll right. Try any psychedelic once. <laughs> so check this out. So this is a picture of these Matthew oh, Hopkins, which. Cool. Finder general. This guy this guy took his job very seriously, oh, bro. Look at boots. Vinegar Tom. Look at this. Newy sugar, blah blah blah. It was like a weird weird fucking like cow creature thing. And there's a like one that's like it looks like a rabbit, but it's my imp names are and then those are yeah, imps. Fucking weird. Yeah. It's pioneer so. looking fuck. And like oh man. You have to watch The Witch because, like, it, there's a lot of stuff that is alludes to what we're talking about. So we have hybrid creatures, right? Belief in the spiritual origins of sickness and misfortune also appears to have been prevalent during this period. The tendency of English trial witch- witnesses either to invent familiars when no pets were available to incriminate or to attribute supernatural agency to the chance appearances of rats, mice, birds, snails, or insects in the vicinity of accused persons. So again, this guy just minding his own business, walking in a field, swatting away at a bee. He's a he's, he's a, a demon. He's like, no, I'm just I'm allergic to bees, right? You <laughs> piece of shit. And then he's got all these like bumps all over him. They're like, yeah. fucking witch, <laughs> allergic to bees, man. So we have reveals a widespread popular superstition regarding the existence of malevolent supernatural beings or spirits that assisted or represented witches in their magic and preferent prefer preferentially. I'm, I know I'm saying this, this wrong. You get for reading stuff that was written in the 1600s. No, this is written. This is <laughs> oh, what, what year was this written in? No, this so is like academic, bro. Yeah. This is written in 2002, but this guy's a scholar, so he's using some big words, bigger, oh, bigger than. Just look, my make myself look smart. <laughs> Adopted the physical form of animals while doing so. The fact that these beings were usually referred to as imps, literally mm-hmm. graphs, also indicates some ambiguity in the popular mind concerning whether such creatures existed independently of the witch or alien offshoots of their own persona. So this is where we get into were animals because they're talking about this being a literal thing from the witch itself that she either gave birth to as a demonic child or otherwise. So I like the Jersey Devil, man. 
because like the mother yes, yes. birthed the fucking like the crazy devil creature flew yes. out of her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> so we have such ideas according to anthropologists are nearly universal among shamanistic cultures throughout the world. And one example I'm going to give is the peoples living in Mexican province of Chiapas believe that everybody possesses a soul animal, a chanu, that exists independently of the body and in some senses on a different supernatural plane, but which is nevertheless indistinguishable from a real animal, which I thought that was crazy because if you think about the skinwalker and how it's like this spirit, and then like right now a really big thing is dogman. And like dogman yeah. sighting. Michigan dogman shit is fucking wild, dude. Yeah. And, and like, bro, in Tennessee. Like phone calls of people freaking out. Yeah, yeah. Shit. So fucking weird. So this I was idea. Ask sometime during this episode, what would your familiar be? What would familiar would you want? A sloth. I actually like sloths too. I was just thinking about this today. Fucking, I was listening to an uh, episode with um, the Joe Rogan one with Michael Malice or whatever. And they talked about it. He saw a sloth in a pet store. And he's like, how the fuck does that thing have a sloth? Like, I have a fucking sloth. It's like the States. Like, cause obviously you guys have so many more exotic animals. And uh, I, I remember in grade six, I did a whole presentation about sloths. Cause I was like, these things are fucking awesome. They're lazy. Yeah, they're, and have sharp ass claws. they're super soft. I actually, I would say a wolf is one of mine. Like I would, a wolf can do my fucking bidding. No, and then I can call its homies. Just a know? fucking sorcerer, bro. <laughs> yeah so the chaul Ch- chanul are assigned to each person at birth by the celestial powers mm. and so again this this thing and i really thought it was cool because it's this thing that exists on a supernatural plane if you think i think that the dog man is some sort of vessel that people the, the elites right jump into and they they do their shenanigans or whatever it is so i wonder if that's the david berkowitz connection because if they were like somehow possessing the dog to talk to him so, I mean, we'll get into that because I got, I got dogs next and I got a whole bunch of shit on dogs. So in West Africa, the Banyang people of West Cameroon hold that people have the ability to transform themselves into or to send out as extensions of themselves where animals called babu, which in, which in this form are possessed of supernatural power. So, again, this idea of a dog man or even a Bigfoot. I've heard, I've heard stories of 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 witches having Bigfoots. Multiple oh, big foot. I want to ride on his shoulders, man. <laughs> just stroke his hair, bro. Just like fucking <laughs> Nicholas yeah. Cage looking fucking big foot. Cigarette, like reach around. Like, you want <laughs> so here we go. Although occasional stories are told of people actually experiencing bodily transformations into animals. And that's, that's one of the things about shamans. Like they literally take the form, the spirit form of whatever is attacking people in this other realm right because i've talked about it crazy too because i could imagine like i do a lot of mushrooms i'm gonna do a ton a big dose tomorrow because i'm off and like i could like i don't know like i always like i can decipher my trips to an extent but like i could imagine if you if you were really convinced if i saw someone shape shift on mushrooms i'd be convinced that it actually happened in some duality or lycanthropy bro like the actual werewolf like i mean if you think about that concept that's crazy. Like that movie. What's that movie? The 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 one where the dude transfer. He's got Patricia as like one of his. I'm sure you've seen the movie. You know what I'm talking about? Underworld. That's not right. But they have no the bald guy and let me look. Because lycanthrope is like the one of the main terms because that's where it came from. So the, the movie. Too. Let me see here. Patricia. It's a meme. It's like oh that's not that wasn't her. That was Patricia. It's a, a bald guy. Yo, is there a fly in my room? I hear that little buzz buzz too. You hear it? 
Yeah. The familiar. <laughs> it it might be your mic, right? Because do you have the you have the um, the very expensive mic, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not that yeah. expensive. But yeah, sure. Um. Yeah. So, anyways, this this movie where this guy literally transforms his body into whatever he's thinking about. Oh, are you? Oh, weird. I'm like, uh, at first I got. It's a superhero movie, bro. Damn. Now, now, now I gotta know what movie it is, bro. Is it recent? Bruce Willis. No, no. There's two oh, parts. Are you talking about the League of Gentlemen? No, like, I'm not talking about the League. It's got to do with that movie, though. I think. Yeah, we. Uh, I just gotta say, just shout out American Werewolf. Split. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because he does like in his mind, at least, or what he thinks. So he's like, there's that scene where he like starts running on the ground while he's using his mind to transform his body, which is kind of like sort of Kundalini. If you really think about it, where you invoke, I think that's magic where you invoke a biological effect in to yourself by believing in it. Yeah. I could see that where you almost get these, uh, like almost like superpowers by like invoking something from another realm, maybe, you know, and then you have the powers of that said creature or some shit, you know? So nevertheless, these examples contain some striking echoes of medieval and early modern ideas related to shape-shifting parallel injury and spirit spirits, souls adopting to the form of animals as well as suggesting similar connection between witchcraft or shamanism and the use of an animal alter ego as a magical emissary. And the thing is, okay, so we're talking about familiars in the witchcraft sort of sense, but the idea of the, the idea of a familiar goes back in history. I mean, if you look at like a totem pole, like those are different yeah. animal spirits, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. That, that actually would be an interesting topic. Just the, the native folklore goes pretty deep. Um, before you get into dogs, let me get into some stuff, but let me know before you're doing that. So I have one more thing on demonic infant question mark. Oh, I want to know about that. And then we'll get into the dog. Cause I have a whole <laughs> bunch of shit on dogs. So overlaid That's on this core point. of traditional beliefs and practices was the increasingly widespread habit of keeping animals such as dogs, cats, songbirds, ferrets, squirrels, hares, and so on purely for companionship. Don't you ever fucking keep a pet around these parts. Yo, is there a dragonfly or something in here? <laughs> I think it's your mic. <laughs> Because when you talk, it's happening, but it's test, so slow. Test, test, testing, testing, testing. Whatever. Who cares? All right, it's fine. I think I hear it now. Whatever. Why is it doing <laughs> that, man? Okay, that's fucking stupid. It's because the roadcaster can't fucking handle <laughs> the <laughs> fucking expensive bike. So we have here. Companionship, a practice that was likely to have been more common among the older, less popular and more antisocial members of rural English society at the time. So, again, these outcasts, older people who you 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 said something earlier where it's like they were also. They were also burdens to take care of. They were another mouth to feed. So they're probably outcasted or again, they thought that they were some sort of. Witch or something. They put them in one of those like carts that are pulled by horses. They have like the bars on them. (laughs) Drop them in the woods. Like there you go, ladies. (laughs) Combined together and embellished with the occasional imaginative fabrication, this coincidence of different historical factors produces sort of composite or hybrid creature, the imp or Mm. familiar, a malignant though otherwise commonplace animal with supernatural powers that dependent on the witch for care. And nourishment in the same way that the pet is dependent on its owner or a child is dependent on its parent. 
the comparison with a child seems particularly apt, since the familiar, as it came to be understood in the 17th century, was also a sort of demonic infant. Bam, bam, bam. You have the button? Oh, yeah, I do actually have it. Jeez, come on, bro. Focus. <laughs> Not just dependent on the witch, but actually nursing from her in an obscenely distorted inversion of the normal mother-child relationship. This image of the post-menopausal, how dare you have a bodily <laughs> change, crone giving suck to her demonic animal companion, this grotesque mixing of animal and human categories, reproductive roles, and bodily fluids was virtually tailor-made to provoke horror, revulsion, and sanctimonious, another big word, outrage in the puritanical mind of early modern Englishmen. So, yikes. Okay. And, and, oh, and check this out. This, this, this is Protestants and Puritans were especially eager to suppress the growling of the beast within and any form of intimacy with domestic animals, rather sexual or maternal was certain to be viewed as profoundly morally degrading, particularly when in the case it was combined with other lurid abominations such as blood sucking and diabolism. Dia- diabolism. Uh, so they wouldn't like the Middle East then, right? The what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I said something bad. Uh, All right, so... Fucking, I'm going to get into some shit about the ghost and male spirits as familiars. It's, it's fairly... It's a suck, sucky bind? Uh, so there are many kinds of familiar spirits according to the witch trial uh, and how they when they documented it and many were in animal form but there was also ghosts or dead who aided the accused supposedly so for example Bessie Dunlop of Lynn accused of witchcraft in Scotland uh, confessed to having a familiar spirit by the name of Thomas Reed she claimed that she uh, that he was a deceased soldier from the area who came to her while she walked near a castle ruins one day he told her he would help her bring her good fortune in return for her aid in clearing up some of his unfinished business so the, the soldier like dead soldier said like I'll do what you want but you have to help me finish killing the wife that I already attempted to, but I got <laughs> killed before it happened. Uh, in addition, he took her to uh, El Elfheim, Elfland, supposedly quotations, where she met uh, the queen and was promised fortunes. In the penal witch trials, the accused witches were forced to confess and all confessed to having f- uh, familiar spirits. Um, Anne Whittle, Al- uh, Elias cat talks confessed to having a a familiar (laughs) spirit named fancy who showed himself as a man when he manifested in her home in the pendle pendle forest we can assume that either it looked or dressed fancy for her to call him that the other pendle witches claim that familiars uh Claim the same about familiars men and appeared supposed to be in the form of black dogs which we're going to get to and familiars appeared obviously as toads and all that stuff so they uh they there was people who claimed to have used like dead, which if you watch uh, even the movie um, that shit. It's necromancy Disney, essentially is what yeah, it is. It is. Ne- and then I would like to dive back into that shit because that shit's like cool and fascinating for what it is. Um, but it is like, um, what is that? Why can't I think of that shitty witch movie? It's actually not that shitty. I enjoy it. Not the second one uh, with Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, how am I drawing? Oh, Hocus Pocus. He she brings Billy back from the dead, and he's like a zombie, and he has to do her bidding. Like that's like the same same kind of fucking thing. So it's fairly interesting. Um, right, that, that little buzzing is getting really annoying. I don't know. If 
can still hear it. Yeah, I can see. Testing. We have dogs, a man's best friend, question mark. Dog lovers, notwithstanding, a man's best friend has not always enjoyed a very desirable reputation. On the contrary, the dog has been suspect of aiding and abetting the arch enemy, of providing him with a form in which to circulate among men, of guarding the underworld, of calling off men to the realm of the dead, of haunting bridges and roads to obscure, to obstruct men's way, or to lead them astray of following night travelers, often frightening them to death. And then I got this stuff from, there's another paper that I got, a man and, no, not that one, that's, so The Devil in Dog Form by Barbara Allen Woods, and she goes hard in the paint, and then there's also the the place of the dog and superstition is revealed in Latin literature. That's awesome. See, that sounds one. fun. I have an episode written out that I want because Billy loves dogs. Um, my, one of my co-hosts. And uh, I want to get into, uh, the, I have a like, whole thing about ghost animals and all these people that like are haunted, which is always an interesting thing of like, yeah, you know, people have unfinished business or their souls get trapped here in some sort of purgatory or whatever it may be. That so, why here. so why would fucking animals do? You know? no, no, but so you mentioned, you, you mentioned that, right? The souls, check this out. So one of the things that, I'll get to it here in a second. So a dog's associated with the kingdom of the dead and not conse- and consequently with the devil. Very likely goes back to Indo-European period. The Greeks had Cerberus or and Garmer from the Germanic hellhound. Between yeah, yeah. the Vedic sons of Sarama, the dog messengers of death. Odin had two wolves, which later become dogs. The Greeks and Romans uh, associated dogs with Hecate. And we have, and that's the goddess of infernal regions and of witchcraft. The Egyptians considered the dog an animal of the underworld. Anubis mm-hmm. had the dog head. Isis yeah. uh, rode on a dog. And we have they here... They also had a Wepawat. That's an Egyptian that? god dog thing. Oh, really? Is that the one with the crocodile head? I think so. The Wepawat. Um, because the Aztec gods had that too. Um, I, I want to add this into what you're talking about. This In Ireland and England, ghostly black dogs roam ley lines in haunt cemeteries. So that's fucking weird. So it says here that the dog should the dog should be associated with the devil when Christianity came to Europe and drove the old pagan beliefs underground. <laughs> so people were just having dogs before that, and then like the Christians were like, "Yo, that's just satanic, bro. You can't have that." So what I wanted to say was the idea of transmigration is and the belief that the dog embodies a restless soul or anyone who has had either a a cruel death. So you have a wicked a person who's wicked, such as a cruel nobleman, murder, suicides. I'm getting feedback again from this stupid mic. Thieves, traitors, witches, and all the manner of godless persons. They would come back as dogs. Weird. In, in dogs, yeah. So there's like a bug. Like there is a, there's supposed to be at the, that Pendle witch trial. Um, someone confessed to having a familiar who took the form of a black hound who lamed a man after she requested it of him. I don't know what lamed a man means. He fucking he murdered the guy, I guess. I don't know what lamed means back then, but uh, as did James Device and Elizabeth Dem- Demdike. 
Then in 1645, <laughs> Helen Clark claimed to have met the devil who took the form of a black dog. That's why I was like, when I was looking up this, I was like, the Pendle witch trials sounds pretty fascinating. Even if down the road, if me and you want to cover it on like a Halloween style episode kind of thing, because I would be interested because I've never heard of the Pendle witch trials, like maybe just briefly, uh, but I am fascinated by kind of looking into it and seeing and what it's all about because everyone obviously knows the Salem witch trials and there's certain other ones throughout history in France and stuff like that but I've never heard of Pendle so a black dog familiar is more frequently attributed to the wizard and the black cat to witches so we have that distinction there and now I'm going to talk about various dogs throughout history from the first century all the way to the 20th century and I mean we tied one to the the 21st century with Donald Trump and his little black shaggy dog because that's also very important so the black dog of Simon Magus, and Simon Magus was the father of all heresies and the creator of the Gnostics. So they tell us that Simon Magus had a great black dog tied in a chain who if any man came to speak with him, who he had no desire to see was ready to devour him. So he had this dog that would bark at people. And then also his shadow like, Likewise, he caused still to go on before him, making the people believe that it was the soul of a dead man who still attended him. So he had this, he would send forth a shadow to do stuff. I mean, it's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. We have Pope Sylvester II. So Simon Magus from the, was in the first century. Pope Sylvester II. Is second. this Pope Sylvester like, Adrian? <laughs> no. <Stupid> joke. <laughs> That was a stupid joke. <laughs> so we have Pope Sylvester II, which let me pull up a picture of him here because this guy, there's pictures of him like talking to demons and stuff. Can he talk like this? I'm just joking. That fucking Sylvester the cat. I can't talk like that guy. So this guy, bro, people thought that he had, let's see here, was supposed to have kept the devil in the form of a large black dog, which prophesied. And if we want to get technical, right, this was 11th century. 13, 14th century was the Knights Templar, I believe. And if you think about the idea of Baphomet and the head of John the Baptist prophesizing, that's a sort of amulet or talisman type of thing, right? Yeah. So the Knights Templar was, I think, I believe 1400. So mm-hmm. 11, 11, active from 1119 to 1312. So yeah, so. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought century. it was the 12th. 12th century to 14th. Yeah. yeah so. Sense. We have the black dog of Cornelius Agrippa, right? The black dog of Cornelius Agrippa is among the best known familiars of modern times. History rests on the authority of Paulus Jovius, and it has been copied by Thevet, among others, et cetera, et cetera. If you name it Cornelius, he has to become king. (laughs) Agrippa was always accompanied by the devil in the shape of a black dog and that perceiving the approach of death, he took a collar ornamented with nails, supposed in magical inscriptions from the neck of the animal, and dismissed him with the memorable words, Abi, Perdita, Bestia, Quametutam, Perdistis. I think that's Latin. So, away, yeah. cursed beast, through whose agency I must now sink into perdition. And then they said that the dog ran and drowned itself. But then, I have some extra stuff on that because supposedly. It had the collar. There was like sigils on the collar. And I'll, I'll pull some oh, stuff that's up. Weird. That. So let's see here. This is also according. This is uh, also attributing to the 
Agrippa's dog. Attributing occult powers to famous pets was not, however, confined to England. According to the contemporary legend that survived for many centuries, Cornelius Agrippa was a German astrologer, philosopher, and scholar, and he had a dog named Monsieur, who wore a collar decorated with magic symbols. And when Agrippa lay dying, he said to have removed the collar with the words, depart, unhappy beast, what I just read. And yes. the dog ran and drowned himself. And in reality, according to Agrippa's own pupil, Joanne Weyer, Monsieur was a thoroughly ordinary dog. I cannot stop wondering, he wrote, wondering, he wrote in 1563, how people of high esteem can talk and write such unadulterated foolishness unless it be just mean and empty blabber. I knew... I knew that black dog very well when I was in Bonn. It was a dog of moderate size, and his name was Monsieur. Quite frequently when Agrippa was out walking, I would accompany him. But then I got some other stuff that supposedly he was having sex with this dog. So, <laughs> ah, that's nice. So we have that's 15th century. How about the lipstick? We have Paracelsus, 16th century. And everybody on, on my podcast knows about Paracelsus. And according to this... The Swiss alchemist Paracelsus was believed to carry a familiar bout with him in the hilt of his sword. Paracelsus? Yeah, he allegedly had this sword that he carried around with him. And also, it's not a dog, but he he was said to have a, a a horse, the devil's horse, which was a horse that could run forever without getting tired. So... According to the 17th century physician and historian Gabriel Nod, Paracelsus never laid his weapon aside, even when he went to bed. And he often got up in the night and struck it violently against the floor. Frequently, when the night before he was without a penny, he would show a purse full of gold in the morning. So, God damn it, he's like fucking a ground. <laughs> so, although other alchemists attribute these events and other of Paracelsus' feet to the Philosopher's Stone... Naudi yeah, thought weird. it was irrational to believe that it was two or more doses of <coughs> and check this bro two or more doses of opium because this dude was high all the time just like fucking cuckly crowley that paracelsus never went without and which and with which he affected many strange cures so this dude was a fucking time on heroin she was blasted bro all the time and he was an alchemist and he was just like mm. oh, so he's just like banging his sword on well, the ground the time, right? you wouldn't the, the concept of addiction and being addicted to these drugs and they and they would be synthesized differently than what they are today obviously with the advent of like fucking big tell charlie like, to shut up like that's fucking weird like, tell hey. charlie to shut up that's my demonic dog <laughs> so yeah we, we have here the 15th to 16th century. We have Johann, Johann George Faust, the original Faust, mm-hmm. because it plays into uh, what we're going to talk about here soon. Some of the early reports on the historical Faust testify that Faust had his familiar spirit as a shaggy black dog. Furthermore, John Trump is a, is a time traveler. So. <laughs> So, furthermore, Widman relates that the Abot of some other thing induced Faust to lend him the dog for the Abot's own familiar had told him that this dog was one of the most powerful spirits. So, hmm. we have Prince Rupert, which I learned this recently on an episode that I did with Ronnie Pontiac where we're talking about his latest book. Even British royalty was not immune in the crusade against witchcraft. In the 17th century, Prince Rupert's dog, Boy, 
was definitely considered his familiar. I think he got lazy name. Boy? Yeah, boy, come here. Boy? <laughs> so these people, dude, when the, when the dog was killed, because they attributed it to, let's see here, by attributing all sorts of occult powers to boy, including prophecy, invisibility, the ability to find lost goods, and the gift of tongues, and the capacity to render himself and his master impenetrable to weapons. So when this dog got killed, bro, they literally wrote songs about it and they published, let me pull up here, they published like articles and art about it. So check this out. Oh, weird. Yeah, bro. These people were upset. Really like this dog. This is the boy dog? Yeah, the dog that they got Rupert's tears. So they were talking about how he was sad because he, so it's a song, bro, that they wrote. Can you sing it for me? <laughs> no, I don't know. To, I can't read that shit. So, so we have here sad cavaliers rupert invites you all that dow survived to his dog's funeral close mourners are the witch pope and devil that much lament your later befallen evil i guess lament poor cavaliers cry howl and yelp for the great loss of your malignant whelp he's dead he's dead no more loss can he protect your damnness or get victory so that's a bro <laughs> That's a song that they would <laughs> celebrate with. Okay, so yeah, well, that dog. Like all um, all uh, whatever, all the the stuff, poems, uh, children's stories, fables, uh, everything that Disney based all of its movies off of. Most of mm. them, especially the originals, were all like horrible, crazy, fucked up stories. Yes, mm-hmm. all of them are fucking crazy, like in in morbid and. Like the whole like the Cinderella thing, the the yeah. sisters cut their fucking feet to try to yeah. fit it in the shoe. Yeah, I've seen that. So Wild. we have here Goeth Faust from the 19th century, and supposedly Mephisto is introduced in the first form of the of a black poodle after Faust oh, abandons yeah. the idea of unaliving himself. I'm not gonna say the word. He goes mm-hmm. with his fa- familus Wagner Wagner. For a walk on their way home, they are joined by the rather strange-acting Black Poodle, which later back in Faust's study reveals itself as the devil. I believe that this is an important feature. Yeah, so a Black Poodle, and then yeah. it, it turns out to be a the devil. So we have David Berkowitz, because you brought this up right before we start, started recording, which I completely forgot about, because I learned about this recently, actually, on, on another podcast I did. And... He confessed to all the the murders and initially claimed to have been obeying the orders of a demon manifested in the form of a dog belonging to his neighbor, Sam. A black uh, Labrador retriever, which is crazy. So that's what the son of Sam, it's that whole fucking story goes crazy. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, bro. I did not know that. Like, I, bro, and I'm so versed in serial killers, it's plagued in my mind. I started reading about like all the evidence that they had. Like, there's some messed up, dark, heinous stuff. All all those serial killers, there were weird ties to certain serial killers, like, um, who's connected to the hidden hand, like all these weird occultist stuff, like, um. It's it's fucking it's crazy. Eileen Warner's claiming they were using mind control, fucking sonic um, pressure on her head and stuff. With all these serial killers, who knows if they're actually crazy or if they actually um, so, experience these things. But it's interesting that he picked that right. And then, but he says here he subsequently admitted that the dog devil story was a hoax. Do you believe that? You believe that was a hoax? I I, I, I either he did it for the insanity plea. That's it's possible. 
Um, or he wanted to say when he was in jail eventually and he became a Christian or whatever, he kind of wanted to sound less crazy. So like, mm. because I don't know, like these people truly believe what they say, yeah. um, or truly he was like, okay, what is the easiest thing I can think of? But there's a whole backstory to the dog thing and it, the son of Sam and where he gets the connections. Like, how did you even, like, did he, he must, he may have read a book about the occult so- or yeah. So during questioning, Berkowitz claimed that his neighbor's dog was one of the reasons that he killed, stating that the dog demanded the blood of pretty young girls. He said that the Sam yeah. mentioned the first letter was his former neighbor, Sam Carr, and that Harvey Carr's black Labrador was possessed by an ancient demon, which issued irresistible commands that Berkowitz unalive people. You know what you should do? You know what you should do, Dave? You should shout out and do a dog boy. You should go and just kill pretty women. Sha- Shaggy? <laughs> what are you doing, Shaggy? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try to do like a Scooby-Doo, like, fucking go kill women. It's fucked up. Yeah, it's so crazy. Because so, we, we haven't reached yet to like, I have this obsession with going backwards first, talking about like serial killers that most people maybe not know about, like in the early like 1900s and all that stuff, and then leading mm-hmm. our way to like the 50s and 60s because then it just ramped up all of a sudden. Maybe it was the lead and everything, but. Well, <laughs> Dahmer didn't have a dogs, but we'll see what. That's, that's all I got on the familiars. And uh, I got a couple. I just got a couple of uh, short things that we could kind of uh, discuss. Uh, my familiar is freaking out like usual. There is uh, the hounds protecting multiple deities, including Hecate, the goddess of witches. Um, also, uh, Shulot of the Aztec god of death, which is kind of cool. And uh, two large hounds flank the Celtic Germanic goddess uh, Nihalia at the altar, which is fucking trippy. And uh, I just want to go through quickly just um, the witch's hair. Possibly one of the lesser known of the familiars is the hare. A hare is a large type of rabbit prominent in Europe and parts of North America. There, there are numerous stories that tell of women shape-shifting into hares to steal things from their neighbors. Because, you know, all women are thieves. Um, or is to Silly escape. rabbit. Tricks are for kids. Yeah, stop stealing shit from my fucking house. Um, or to escape from danger. Uh, a panel witch familiar named Tib frequently appeared in hair form. No doubt hairs are linked to witchcraft because of their supposed to be their connection to the ancient goddess uh, Esoter, uh, which is like me and Billy talked about that. We're like we're like one of the only podcasts to do a fucking Easter episode. And we like dived into the whole backstory behind Easter and all this stuff. Um, Hecate is one of them actually to name a few and all these people that are kind of like connected to like, you know, and fuck like a jackrabbit, keep the population going and, and all that kind of stuff. When the church sought to convert pagans, they had to make the old beliefs look evil, hence turning sacred animals into witch familiars or evil. Because if you study religion, most times they just rip off other shit. Um, and you already mentioned, yeah, the lycanthrope, which is kind of cool. Uh, you know, these giant beasts like Odin and Apollo and all this Leto and Jared Leto. (laughs) Why is this called Leto? Uh, this is a weird one just to bring this to a close is the witch's butterfly. It's no wonder witches love butterflies so much. We have long history with these beautiful wings. Called niggets. (laughs) Yeah, in the Middle Ages, people believed butterflies stole milk and butter. It's like you like you're just like like scooping, you know, buttering your bread. Butters fly, and then you eat a butterfly. It's like your butter is flying away, taken by a butterfly, and that's how they got their name, I guess. Which is fucking crazy. Oh, fucking niggets. 
<laughs> that is fucking weird. Witches also stole milk and butter, so butterflies became a familiar, which is crazy. If that is actually where we get the name butterfly because they thought that the flies were stealing butter, is fucking mind-boggling. Bro. Fucking crazy. I mean, uh, and then, so the other fucking uh, – there's other lesser-known familiars. Frogs, foxes, we said toads, lizards, blackbirds, weasels, uh, snakes, pigs, and flies. Imagine if a pig has a familiar – yeah, they're gonna walk that shit around. Some pigs get fucking huge. Yeah, bro. You, at least if you killed somebody, like if it, if you know you're a witch, and you want to get rid of somebody. At least it could go through bone like butter and stuff like yeah. that. So it, 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 there's, I don't know, there's some deep shit about this. The the witchcraft and folklore stuff always fascinates me. It just the mindset of back then and mm. and why they really did these things. It, you know, it was it just like. Uh, you know, misogyny and, and men not liking women being independent, or was there some was there something deeper to this than what we know? Like, if it was actually for real, you mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. I don't know. There's there's some weird shit, and like maybe maybe two of them were actually real witches, and people yeah. saw some crazy demonic stuff, and then they got all spooked out and paranoid, and then they're like, every woman that lives in the woods that you know d- makes medicine or whatever, and then like also the fact that it could be something like they understand how to use like they help someone sleep with valerian root or, or stuff like that. Right. And then they come back and they talk about, they heal someone with some sort of herb. And then they're like, no, you, you have to stick to modern medicine. You have to wipe horse shit on your cut. Okay. And then you got to bandage it with alligator skin. Okay. It's well, going to heal. <laughs> it's it's like, funny that it goes from being a shaman or a witch doctor to being demonic later on. Right. Yeah, so yeah, and it was used as something that was, uh, you know, Back in the day, they did switch fairly quickly because even certain kings and stuff like that would use familiars. Um, even though they said and it was like Solomon used uh, supposedly witches to prophesy stuff, even though they were supposed to be against it and it was uh, against God and all this stuff, there would still be kings like that and Catholic priests and all this shit and popes that would use witches to like in fortune tellers, even though they weren't supposed to. So we're going to really believe any church or Catholic priests or popes. The trail of open gate buttholes. No, don't say that, bro. (laughs) So this is fun, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, Fun shit. Um, Yeah, liked it. Find me at the one-on-one podcast, any social media platform, tjojp.com and Patreon, all that good stuff. My links will be in the description. And Tom, you want to plug your stuff? Yeah, you can uh, www.strangerpodcast.com uh, has all of our stuff on it. Uh, I, uh, you know, it'd be a great service. You follow me on, on at strangebrew.podcast on Instagram because we lost so many followers. Um, and follow me on YouTube. You know, Strange Brew Podcast is very simple. Let's look that up. And you'll be able to find our shit. I appreciate it. Okay. All right, dude. Let's get the fuck out of here. It was yeah, fun. Stay strange. Catch you guys in the next one. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 